Hello, photography lovers, and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast. My name is Virginia, and I'm a fashion advertising photographer and also the host of this podcast. We are creating it along with the producer, the gorgeous George. And what we do is to arrange for you each and every Wednesday a fascinating meeting with another creative from the industry. And every other Friday, I'm answering your questions and I'm giving you some tips and tricks. If you guys have questions, And if there is something that worries you or makes you wonder about the industry, you can just ask your question in our Facebook group called Fashion Photography Lovers. If you don't want to make it public, you can just reach out to us. There is a form on photographypodcast.net where you can record your question. And if you want to, you can leave us your details. And if you want to stay anonymous, that's totally fine too. Today is time for part two of our episode with Alex. Some of the topics that we are going to discuss are, for example, how to create a fashion photograph in a documentary style, because Alex is absolutely great at this. Also, can mistakes and bad habits build you as a photographer? He's sharing with us his perspective and experience. How to talk to your clients about ideas and even how to explain to them in a very nice manner when you don't really find the client's idea very fascinating. These questions will be answered today along with many more. So all you have to do is just listen to the podcast. When I look at your photos, I really feel like, yeah, for sure they have fashion in it. They have advertising in it, but they look very documentary style. Amazing. Thank you. Oh. (laughs) It's what I'm really, really trying to push myself to get better at. So I watch a lot of documentaries and I study a lot of old photography techniques and old photographers. They're like somewhat dead now or any photographer who's on Magnum. I try and see how they shoot and how I can adapt that into fashion. I'm nowhere near where I want to be in the Mm -hmm. style yet like I'm miles away from it because my personality doesn't kind of bring across a lot of the documentary I'm quite happy and quite bubbly so I like to have fun with people on set as well yeah if I could go back and shoot a lot of the shoots that I've done in the past I think I might try and adjust my personality to get the results that I want Can you summarize for us, so what are the steps to have more documentary style fashion photography and what are the things that you're working on at the moment? The things I'm working on at the moment is rather than shooting a fashion blog where the outfit is perfectly viewable, so you can see the shoes, you can see what's under the jacket, you can see the trousers and blah, 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 everything like that. I'm looking at the scene So I'll set up the frame and then I will add elements to the frame and then allow the model to do whatever she wants in that frame with some direction. So it's this bridge of reality meets fashion. She's still styled and she's still done up, but I'm not asking her to flamboyantly throw her arms in the air unless she wants to throw a tantrum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I can photograph that. But there's steps in creating the scene first. So the location scout needs to happen. Then you need to think about the particular type of camera or lens that you're going to need for the shoot. 
or how documentary you want it to look. Do you want thousands of tourists in it? Do you want just the model? So you need to kind of shoot it in a slightly more cunning way so that it looks like she's not posing for you. She's just going through her daily routine. I'm trying to think what else is involved. It is mostly just the thought process and the location scouting. If you can merge those two things together, then you've got the shoot. There's a photographer called Christopher Anderson, and he was always like this amazing photographer to me. And he had a book called Sun. And it was a book about the failing health of his father and the birth of his newborn son. There's something about the series that is so touching. It's just the way I've always wanted to shoot, which was to shoot reality, but somewhat try and make it more of a fashion story as well. And I don't know if you can merge those two. Well, I haven't. I'm not good enough at it yet, but I'm sure I will get to the stage. I hope. Oh, I'm sure you will. And we will, of course, follow you through this journey. But it sounds like this is the end of the podcast, but it's not. Doing this list of things that will help you to have more of a documentary style in your fashion photography. You also mentioned the right picking of the equipment. So do you think that a particular lens can help us? Or is that the reason why you prefer to use film cameras? Tell us more about this. So the particular types of lenses, I suppose, they do change everything about an image. So if you were to look at this Peter Lindbergh style, a lot of his work, it would be considered somewhat fashion bridges documentary. But I mean, personally, it's not the way I want my work to go. But he just shoots it all really long lens with some tourists in the foreground or the background. You can see it. And the more you learn about different lenses and different styles, the more you can instantaneously see how it's being used in, in images. So if you go to a photographer that you really love, I'm sure you can probably see the camera straight away, even though you're not seeing the camera. Mm -hmm. You can see that it's maybe 16 mil lens and they've chose this particular angle because it had it warped your perspective or something like that. So the reason I shoot film is because I love everything about the process. I love the sound of the shutter. <laughs> I love that I can't see it straight away. I love that I need to use my head a lot more. I have got a lot more range in the exposure one way or another. Also, I don't know, when I'm using my film cameras, I, I suppose I, maybe I talk to people differently than when I'm shooting on the digital because the digital is just so, so easy. So when I'm shooting on film, I think, I don't know yet, maybe I need somebody to record me, but maybe I interact with the model differently when I have my film camera than I do with the digital. Do you develop your own images? Sometimes. It depends if I have the time or not. This month, I haven't had any time. I've been traveling so much. I think I've got about six flights in the last month. Tell us more about it, because you're flying a lot, and you're moving here and there, and it's uh, really interesting because you're based in Dublin, but you also represent yourself as Dublin slash London photographer. Yeah. So is it? Dublin way too small and can a photographer make a living from working in a small city? My assistant, he moved to London not long ago and he, he was an amazing photographer. 
we still meet up in London and, and work together in London. But a lot of Irish clients, they can't afford to fly both myself and my assistant to Dublin to do shoots. So mm-hmm. taken on another younger assistant here in Dublin. Again, he's a really talented guy. And I've been trying to teach him different sides to photography because he was like, oh, how do I, I get clients? And I was like, just concentrate on getting your style the way you like it first. And he has a very good aesthetic. He ha- actually has more of a fashion background and then got into photography. He's using, I don't know how he thinks sometimes, but some of the shots are really, really good. I told him to connect with certain people and those certain people are going to progress his work to the next level, which is if you're in a small city, you have to stand out as a photographer because let's say, I tell you, every city has hundreds of not thousands of photographers, even small cities have thousands of photographers. But if all of you learn the same way, none of you will stand out and make a difference. So that's how I made a difference at the beginning was, um, Every fashion photographer was shooting somewhat a similar way. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know the way that they were shooting. And I also asked if I could assist loads of people and everybody said no. So I was like, okay, well, now I'm just going to have to learn on my own. So I just learned everything on my own. So I taught myself all these bad habits that turned out to be like the best thing about my work, which is I get it wrong all the time, but I don't, I try not to overthink it. That's what I taught him was to develop his style that wasn't copying the other photographers that are doing the same thing as him. Or that that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. It does make sense. And um, I'm wondering right now, did he ask you back how to develop a style? Because that's a big question. No, he, he, he never directly asked me because he showed me the work and I said, oh, it's a, you have a really nice style. And he's like, oh, thanks so much. I'm, I'm still learning. We didn't progress the conversation further than that because it's very hard to tell somebody you need to develop a style because your style comes from your personality. It's difficult to tell somebody that they need to change their personality. I love your answer because style is not just the way you post-process your photos or the way you light your photos because when you do fashion photography this is something that I constantly try to explain to people it's not just one thing mm. it's just a combination of so many things you cannot say my style is to always light everything with just one light and what are you going to do if you're in a huge studio and you have a huge set in front of you how are you going to use just one light Yeah, and your mood board has 12 lights in it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. That's my style. <laughs> But there are photographers who get into that. That's the more technical element. And that's the that's real advertisement photography where you have, you know, 10 lighting assistants and and four main assistants and two digitechs and all this kind of stuff. So as a photographer, you just show up with the concept board, show it to your lighting guys. And then you get your set designers to build it and that's it. And there's a lot of money in that, that kind of work, but it's somewhat soulless. I think there's no longevity in it. Oh, I love advertising photography. You love it? I love it. Honestly, there's so much psychology behind the image that everyone see at the end. There is so much timing involved. 
so many people and yes it used to be even more people on set but now everything's shrinking the budgets are shrinking the the number of people on set but still there is so much thought into everything and i really love that every detail is thought about for yeah. a long long time yeah i know a guy who shot a recent car campaign basically the engineers the car engineers were on set with the calculations for him, his tripod and his lens style. That was the thought process. He, they arrived with their huge lights. I've never seen lights this big in my life. I was like, they're skylights, basically. Mm -hmm. The engineer was like, okay, we need to be elevated this, this, this amount of millimeters off the back of the car, and we need to have this much distance, but you have to shoot it at 35 mil lens to get this. It, it was pure maths. It was pure calculation. It, is. it was amazing, but it's not its not me as a photographer, but I find every element of photography amazing. Yeah, it's very fascinating for me. And in this moment of my life, I feel like I need a little bit more math and a little bit more calculation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when everything's thought through, I really like this right now. But I also really like images like yours when everything is just so natural and so real. Thank you. Obviously, your clients love this too. Tell me more about some of the biggest clients that you have in your portfolio. We already mentioned the, the photo shoot that, that you did for Primark, and this is a really large brand that everybody knows. Tell us how you started your connection with them. That all started by, I knew a designer called Leah Solis. She created amazing dresses and amazing gowns she was offered a photo shoot in a magazine and the magazine editor said here's a list of photographers for you to shoot with pick one and she said I don't want any of these guys they all do the same thing I want Alex he's a friend of mine Aww. he's going to do an amazing job and the editor said absolutely no way I have no idea who this guy is he could be terrible also I'd like I don't know what type of work he he does so she said, either you allow me to shoot with him or you don't get my designs at all. So the editor said, OK, let's do it with this guy. I arrived then. I did lots of pre-production on the location scouting, which direction the wind was going to go. And because we were shooting on the on the beach, I knew like, I needed to know the, the times of the tide, when it was going to be in, when it was going to be out, like all these little minor details i had to go and get props certain types of props that we needed for the shoot as well so then when i arrived on set and met the stylist who was courtney smith she was so impressed with the amount of work that i done pre-production and then when i started the shoot she was like this is amazing this is so different to the way i've been shooting with other photographers so far so it was meeting her because she had all the connections with PR agents. She then put me in touch with all of these PR agencies and I was able to start pitching shoots to them from there. And that was it. So it was pure luck and pure chance. But a lot of work goes into making your own luck as well. Oh, I love this. It's the truth for real. Yeah, yeah it really is a lot of work. <laughs> was it the same with Chanel? Yeah, it was somewhat the same way where somebody I had worked with in the past said, look, I love this guy. They had the connection with Chanel and they said, look, can you 
have a look at this guy's work and see what you think. And then I got in touch with the PR agent in Chanel and she really liked the style and I pitched her a mood board. That's it. And then I just did the shoot. Knowing the right people is super important. And sometimes people are very introverted, especially when we talk about photographers. Do you have any tips on how to meet the right people? Maybe there are some hubs for this. Maybe they're just around the corner. <laughs> All of the people you need to know. I think Instagram is, a, is an amazing thing. It just scour through Instagram to find the right people. If you're too shy about meeting people in person, maybe just draft up a, a small email that makes it sound like you just want to meet up and have a chat with somebody and see what they're all about. And maybe you will get some work from them. Maybe you won't. I mean, I've been to hundreds and if not thousands of meetings that have gone badly because they don't like my personality or maybe I don't like the client after meeting them. And I just decided not to do the shoot. It's happened quite a lot this year. I had two clients come to me with ideas that I thought were very thin. They were really thin ideas. And it was basically, it would have been taking a step backwards to create this type of work. And I said, no. And then the client obviously thinks I'm the difficult one. But I was like, no, let's think about photography. Let's think about fashion. And then let's think about how we can progress it better together, rather than saying, you're right and I'm wrong. I think there's always there's always ways of making it work. But yeah, when you're starting off, I, I think it's, it's best just to email as many people as you want, like make email creative directors or email stylists or email stylist assistants, and then just meet up for a coffee and talk about your ideas and make sure that you, you get along with the person. Because if you don't get along with them, you won't work well together. Mm-hmm. So if you get along with people, you'll you'll create better work together because you both think aesthetically the same way, hopefully. It's a very touchy subject to explain to a potential client if you like or you dislike their idea and how to evolve it. <laughs> I personally have some, some steps and it's very interesting for me if you do the same. Oh, I can tell you about a particular project. I was approached to do a photo shoot. I cannot give any details yet, but for this particular thing, I thought that maybe like a little short moving image, it's going to do the better job for the client. And I was solely thinking about the client and they were like, yeah, but we've done video clips before, like music clips and things like that. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's so cool, but it's completely different. We mm -hmm. were supposed to do the shoot uh, in the city <laughs> during the day. Turned out this photo shoot is going to look better as a video shoot. Those little moving images and it's probably going to look better at night. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. It is very difficult to explain this to a client. So what I would do in a situation like this is to give all the new information piece by piece. Drips at a time. Just a little something, but I'm going to make sure that there is something from their initial idea. That's why I think it's very important to listen to your clients very carefully and to find out what is for them the most important part. So we made it by just tweaking the hours of the shoot a little bit. We started during the day and we finished during the late evening which is a little bit darker. And with the camera, I can totally make it look like a nine. Nice. 
I think if you just give to your clients the information on portions and at the same time, you definitely keep the most important part for them. It can do the job. Of course. The main thing is that you're not insulting anybody. Yeah. And business is business. And, and both clients and you as a photographer know that business is business. You're not going in and, and insulting anybody by saying you don't like the idea. But there are, there are ways of going about it. I do somewhat similar ways. So I'd go to the initial meeting and the mood boards will be out on the table and blah, blah, blah. And everyone will talk about them. And then that'll be the client's mood board. And then I'll have my own. So we'll lay out the sheets. And then we try and merge because we'll have them printed. So then we try and merge the two mood boards together to find a happy medium. Sometimes it will go entirely into just the mood board that I've got. And then sometimes it will be a blend of the two. And then rarely it will be entirely the, the client's mood board. But it's basically just not being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> like your client is, is your main bread and butter. You just tell them, I like the concept, but maybe we should try it like this. What do you think if we maybe introduced this and this? That way you're not telling a client that their ideas are bad. You're just subtly maneuvering their thought process more in line with yours. We started talking about your traveling experience. And now we talk about clients. And I was wondering, do you travel a lot for clients? Yes. So I travel all the time for clients. So I'm actually, I'm back in Ireland now for a three-day campaign. I had a, a shoot on Friday and I decided I'd stay for a few more days because I have a three-day campaign starting on Wednesday. So it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I've been talking to this client via email and on the phone for three weeks, four weeks about particular ideas, what direction he wanted to go. Now, in fact, I had spoken to this client a year previous about potentially doing a shoot together. And it just took him a year to get the budget together. So we're doing it now. So we've been talking about locations and we we send each other location because I haven't met for a year. <laughs> we've just been doing all this on the phone. Mm -hmm. Anytime he mentioned a potential location that I wasn't sure about, I'd say maybe we should try this location. If you get a chance to go and see it, go and have a look at it and see what you think. Eventually, we got down to two locations that will have everything we need for the three-day campaign. It just took a lot of research and back and forward and trust between myself and the client and vice versa. The client needs to trust that I'm going to deliver on the day because I'm making them start at half past five in the morning. Do you think that a trust like this can be built throughout the period of talking or there must be some sort of trust at the beginning or otherwise it's not going to work? I think your personality, again, we've, we've, we talked about personality and, and personality is a huge thing. I think I can be, from again, personal experience, like I can be quite a, a warm person to talk to. So people tend to trust me straight away. Now, actually, I've never been to a meeting where I didn't get the job. I've turned down jobs from clients, but I've never been to a meeting where the client was like, I'm never working with that guy. Hopefully, because otherwise you've been very rude to them. <laughs> well, this is, but there are some, there are people out there photographers who think that their style is everything and if the client doesn't like it I can be as rude as I want and the client is the one that's wrong 
and I never, never let the client think that they're wrong. Like I just adapt their style to mine or what they're looking for to my style. And that's it. And I, and I make them trust me. Now, that's not to say that I haven't done a bad shoot in the past because I've done lots of bad shoots. <laughs> so many. Last year, I did 156 shoots. Whoa, good job. So you're counting them? Yeah, I keep them all. Oh. At the end of the year, I'll delete the ones I don't want. Oh, you delete them? I delete shoots I don't want, yeah, and I don't want to think about again because I chalk it down to bad experience. I love it. It's like a strategy for a life. You just delete the bad memories. Yeah, delete the memory. <laughs> it can teach you good things. Obviously, failure will teach you lots of amazing things. It'll teach you to keep working. Because if you're only succeeding and then you come across failure, that could end up ruining you. So I've failed more than I've succeeded, for sure. But you learn every time. Yeah, so there was 156 shoots last year. And in on my website, I have six of them. This is a very fascinating topic. Let's talk a little bit about the ways that you use your storage, because I think that's important, especially when we talk about clients. Do you have a particular way to store your photos? Yeah, so I have three G-Rates. I have a G-Rate system. Mm -hmm. But I will be moving everything over to Dropbox business. Um, I think it's probably the safest option mm -hmm. because I can keep buying hard drives and keep transferring and transferring and transferring, but eventually the hard drive is going to crash no matter what. So the only system that's basically going to hold on to everything is going to be uh, some sort of cloud system. So that's why I'm looking at Dropbox business, but it's so much. The upload will just take months. Oh, it's going to be annoying. But so I keep all the shoots throughout the year. So I do it on a yearly basis. Everything is organized into folders and they're dated then within that folder with the either the name of the client or the name of the model, depending on the type of shoot that it was. And then at the end of the year, I will go through the folder and I'll delete anything that was a really bad shoot or I'll, I'll keep things that clients potentially haven't paid for yet. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, I will delete the ones that I'm not proud of and I'm not happy about. That's it. Then I start the new year afresh, a new thought process and a new hard drive. <laughs> a fresh <laughs> one. I love it. Yeah. Do you ever do any videos? I have. I've done some in the past. I really enjoy it. But the more I go into it, the more I think I haven't mastered photography yet. Don't try and be jack of all trades where I do video and sound and photography and everything, but I'm never proficient enough with one to transition into the next. But yeah, no, I do some video stuff, but it's only personal. Is that the reason why you said that you're usually using a videographer? Yeah, but also there's no way I can do both on set. Oh, it's going to drive you crazy. It's just the days are not long enough. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, the shoot in Morocco, where the model flew in 11, I think it arrived. She went for lunch when she arrived, like an early or late breakfast, early lunch. And then we started shooting at three and we needed to finish by 9 p.m. And that was a full editorial. So there was no way I could concentrate on that. We had a videographer as well, but there was no way I could do the photo shoot and then think about doing the video afterwards. I think it's just overloading. It is. Yeah. 
Do you always use a videographer? No, I wish I did. <laughs> Why? Why is it so important for you? I like to see how I work, actually. And that sounds quite selfish and self-indulgent, actually. But no, it sounds like you're learning from everything, at least to me. That's actually, yeah. There are videos I watch all the time to try and change my thought process. And there are videos I send my videographers and say, look, can you try something along these lines as a style? Let's see if we can make it work. And then maybe the client will say no, or the videographer won't have the skill set to, to push the concept. But Since you're a person who is constantly learning, maybe you can share with us your favorite apps, your favorite YouTube channels, just everything that we can also learn along with you. Okay, so... My... <laughs> It sounds like you've been waiting for this question. <laughs> I wrote down my favorite apps because I couldn't know which, which ones I used. and <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. Go for it. So the favorite apps I've been using is Sun Surveyor. It's amazing. Oh. It's really expensive, but it's worth it. So it's like, I think it's 11 euro. But that means I can track the sun in real time and in real view. So I know exactly the time of the day I need to be at a particular location. I absolutely love that app. I think it's brilliant. But then I use, what else do I use? 8mm. I use sometimes if I remember to use it. And then I have a, a light meter that I use. Just if I forgot the light meter, I'll use the, the app version, mm -hmm. which is almost right. It's normally wrong, but it doesn't. It, it gives me a little bit of leeway one way or the other. Mm -hmm. For Instagram, I, I use very few apps. I only use Unfold. That's it. And that's only when I have the time. Sometimes I get too bored of the apps and I don't bother using them. Sometimes I think there's not enough time to do everything. Yeah, I feel the same. There's so many new apps constantly that I just I never feel like I'm on top of the right app at the right time. But there's other ones I use for networking, which is Mixer, Artstill and Swipecast. And what about YouTube channels? Negative Feedback is one. I really love it. And they basically, they just talk about photography so openly and freely. And it's not about fashion. Sometimes they do talk about fashion, but they talk about photography. That's it. And like, you don't need the best gear to take the best photos. You just need to understand what you want to communicate. Radical Eye magazine, I watch them. And what about books? I'm sure that you're waiting for this question. Yeah. So there's a book I'm reading at the moment and I've been dying to talk about it. And it's called The Photographer's Playbook. It's 307 assignments and ideas. And that's it. And there, it's written by 307 photographers. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So they interviewed 307 photographers and asked them for a little input that they would like to put into the book. And some of them are only like two lines long and then some of them are like three pages long. It's really interesting. How far ahead are you? I am only on the 68th photographer. You could read it in a day. I'm just trying to slowly go through it mm -hmm. because I just think there's so much to take from loads of different photographers that you don't want to overload with everybody's different ideas. Mm -hmm. And then forget why you were doing it in the first place. Which one is your favorite advice so far? Wow, that's a difficult one. There was one by Tim Barber, and he said, find someone else to take your photographs for you. 
tell them what you're looking for and see if you can find it in the photos that they take. That's interesting. It's really interesting because maybe you're too close to your own work that you need somebody else to go and shoot what your idea is for you to see outside of your own head. That's what I took from it anyway. And we took so much from this interview and we're so grateful to have you here today. It was amazing to talk to you. Very inspiring and very creative. And I hope people that are listening to the podcast are feeling exactly the same way. Hopefully. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was the end of our interview with Alex. You can find all of his details linked in the show notes on photographypodcast.net. Don't forget to share this episode with all of your photography friends. And if you really feel like you're getting value from our podcast, please consider leaving us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This is really going to help us to reach more people and provide you with more great content and guests. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. And I cannot wait to see you next Wednesday. <laughs>